Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on Thursday the 1st of September and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises Catherine Neal. Hello. Phil Lee. Hello. Jane Fairs. Hello. And John Plush as recording engineer who's giving you a cheery wave. Carol Hartle is on copying and admin and... I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our our recording today. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do so like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation... It can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. Right, so let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane's going to read to you. Wilds Lane, 01905 767766. Listeners should be aware that this is not man daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency. 101. NHS Direct 111. Out of Hours Medical Assistance 0300 123 3211 between 6 and 8 pm. Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub 01905 765 765. Worcestershire County Council here to help. 01905 768 053, option 3. Community Risk Team Fire Safety. 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline. 0800 980 Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired. D. Jones. 01684 891297 or 07920144614. 111.senseadventures.co.uk. Samaritans 116123. Worcester Live 01905611427. Morven Theatres, 01684892277. What's on? And let's start over in Malvern, where the Malvern Theatres are welcoming back the National Gilbert and Sullivan Opera Company after an absence of three years. 
first of all, on Thursday the 8th of September at 2.30pm and 7.30pm, there will be performances of The Pirates of Penzance. On Friday the 9th, there is a performance of Ialanthi starting at 7.30pm and on Saturday the 10th September, in partnership with Opera della Luna, there are two performances of HMS Pinafore at 2.30pm and 7.30pm. Tickets range from £26 to £39.76 and there is a £2 concession for the over-60s. For further details, contact Malvern Box Office on 01684 892 If pop music is more your style, then head over to the Huntington Hall in Worcester on Friday the 9th of September, where you can listen to the Beach Boys Tribute Band performing their critically acclaimed The Beach Boys Tribute Show. It starts at 7.30pm and tickets cost £22.50. For more details, contact the box office on 611-427. Alternatively, for more modern music, head to the Swan Theatre, where on the same night, Friday the 9th September, the show Jukebox and Bobby Socks is taking place. Apparently it's a singing and dancing musical extravaganza designed to bring back the good times. I think we all need a bit of that. The special songs that trigger a million memories are lovingly recreated by fabulous singers and backing vocalists. High-energy dancers will be twisting and jiving the night away and all in front of a rocking four-piece band. Otherwise, you could go off to the Norbury Theatre in Droitwich a bit later on in September, where from the 21st to the 24th, they're putting on a production of Agatha Christie's Spider's Web. It's uh, 7.30pm start, tickets are £12 and £11 and if you need more details, the Norbury Theatre box office in Droitwich phone number is 01905 770 Moving away from theatres, at uh, the cathedral there is a service of blessing for animals to be held uh, at which BBC Songs of Praise will be filming. It's called the All Creatures Great and Small Service and it's a blessing for animals and will take place between 5.30pm and 6.30pm on Friday the 16th of September. The programme will air on October the 2nd. It features, no, the programme is presented by the Reverend Kate Botley and Canon John Paul Hoskins, presenter at Worcester Cathedral, will be conducting the service. So uh, if you need more details, get in touch with the cathedral. And finally, the Talking Newspapers AGM is taking place here at Colin Chance House on Saturday the 24th of September at 2.30pm. And all our listeners are warmly welcome to attend. We really would love to see you there if you can make it. So that's a very lengthy what's on. Sorry about that. We are now going to move swiftly on to the main headlines, which will be read out by Catherine. And then she'll start with the first one of the week, which was last Thursday, Friday. Thank you, Pippa. So the headlines this week have been on Friday, August the 26th, locked in for protest, business owner chasing money owed by troubled warriors. Saturday, August the 27th, man dies in river crash, car submerged after crash on bridge. Monday, August the 29th, extension plans for village, Proposal for 150 new homes and primary school. Tuesday, August the 30th, Light of the Party, tributes paid to victim of bridge crash. 
Wednesday, August the 31st, fish shops take a battering. Owners warn of disaster as costs soar. And today's headline, Thursday, September the 1st, is Knife is taken in burglary. Intruders armed themselves during break-in. So, to start with the headline story for last Friday. Locked in for protest. Business owner chasing money owed by troubled warriors. A one-man protest has seen him locked inside Worcester Warriors reception area. Business owner David Chill has refused to leave the reception area at Six Ways over alleged unpaid payments. The director of Bromsgrove Company Versatility in Print claims the club owes him £3,500 for a promotional goods purchase last year. We have attempted to contact the owners but have not yet received a response. He said, I've locked myself in the reception and will be refusing to leave until my situation is dealt with. I supplied the club with goods in December 2021 and since then I've been trying to get payments but each month it just gets passed on to the next. I have my own staff to pay, one of whom has a six-week-old baby. I'm just trying to hold my ground. Mr Chill arrived at the club's reception shortly before 9am yesterday. At around 10.30am, he spoke on the phone with the Warriors' managing director, Peter Kelly. Mr Chill added, sadly, it isn't looking promising. I understand that the bank accounts have been frozen, meaning no payments can come in or out. They've tried to assure me that they will make the payment as soon as they're able to, but there's no timescale for this. Mr Chill said that he wasn't yet sure how long he would remain at the reception. I don't know if I'll leave of my own accord or if I'll make them remove me, he added. His protest comes just a day after dozens of rugby fans gathered outside the stadium to show their support for the club. Former player Johnny R, who was among the crowd, said, What's happening is very concerning and that the club is in the position that it's in. I think I can speak for most people when I say that everyone who's come out today just wants a positive outcome. There was no one available to speak at the scene, but the club's press office has also been contacted for a response. And just to stress, that was last Friday. A man has died after his car sank following a crash on a bridge which has closed the road overnight. The driver was pulled from the River Avon by firefighters so that paramedics could begin advanced life support following the crash on Eckington Bridge. A front seat passenger in the car had managed to swim free of it after the crash near Pershaw yesterday morning. So that's Friday morning. The driver of the second car, a man, was treated at the scene for injuries not believed to be serious. He was then taken to Hereford County Hospital. The car the pair were in was involved in a crash with another car and smashed into the bridge, then ended up submerged in the river's waters. Drivers were warned by Worcestershire Highways that the bridge could remain closed that night while investigations were ongoing. Structural engineers were examining the 300-year-old Grade 2 listed bridge. West Midlands Ambulance Service was called to Eckington in Pershaw in the early hours of that morning following reports of the collision. Crews arrived to discover a car submerged in the water following the collision and a total of three patients, said the spokesperson. The driver of the car in the water, a man, was rescued from his vehicles by colleagues from the fire service. Ambulance staff found him in a critical condition and immediately began administering advanced life support.
However, despite their best efforts, it sadly became apparent that nothing could be done to save him, and he was confirmed dead at the scene. West Midlands Ambulance was called at 4.43am and sent two ambulances, two paramedic officers, a hazardous area response team and a trauma doctor to the scene. The front seat passenger in the same car was able to get out of the vehicle and get himself to safety. Following assessment at the scene, he was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital as a precaution, the spokesperson added. This uh, this article is the Monday, the August the 29th, Extension Plans for Village. Another plan to build up to 150 homes in a village near Worcester has been put forward. The application by Hallam Land Management would see the new homes built off the A38 on the southern edge of Kempsey. Land would also be set aside to build a new primary school in the village. A statement included with the application said, Development at land east of the A38 in Kempsey is an opportunity to create a high-quality, sustainable extension to the village, which provides new homes and a site for a new one-form entry primary school for the benefit of both new residents and the wider village. Modern standards of design will deliver energy-efficient new homes set within a network of green streets and within good proximity to local services and infrastructure. Proposals will also seek to integrate and enhance existing environmental assets, creating a verdant and spacious development setting to the benefit of both new and existing residents. Last month, a plan to build up to 57 homes on fields off Brookend Lane in Kempsey was put forward by developer Richborough Estates. Another application to build 30 new homes on fields off Post Office Lane in Kempsey was put forward by house builder Lantar Velop Developments in May. If approved, the homes would sit next to the recently completed 75-home Sallow Bed Way plan in the village. Housing Association Bromford has also revealed plans to build 48 affordable homes off Bromhall Lane between Worcester and Kempsey, which would sit next to a proposed plan to build 70 homes by platform housing. It is one of several plans to build homes to the south of Worcester that are still to be decided, which includes a plan to build 79 homes on the former Aston Coaches Depot off Bath Road. If given the green light, the development would also sit near an already approved 92-home plan on the former Sketch Car Boot site on the edge of Worcester. You can have your say on the plan by visiting Malvern Hills District Council's website. The application number is m slash 22-01093-out and consultation ends on September the 23rd. And the headline for Tuesday, August the 30th, Light of the Party, Tributes Paid to Victim of Bridge Crash. A heartbroken family has paid tribute to a father killed in a crash on a bridge. Harry Smith of Worcester, died in a crash on Eckington Bridge near Pershaw. His family have paid this tribute to Harry as a devoted dad to four boys and two girls. 
He was a son, nephew, brother and boyfriend. Harry was the light of the party and would do anything for anybody, said Harry's mum, Shirley, and her partner, Jerry. We would like to thank everyone paying their respects at this sad time. Harry will have a send-off fit for a king. I miss you so much, my boy. Love you loads. My heart is broken. Harry's father, Harry Smith Sr., added, I'm a father with six boys. I love them all the same and I will continue to treat them all the same. My angel boy, I will treasure the memories we made. I will love you forever. Inquiries are ongoing after a silver BMW and a red Vauxhall Astra crashed on the bridge and the BMW fell into the River Avon around 4am on Friday. Officers attended alongside West Midlands Ambulance Service and Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue. Harry was recovered from the water but died at the scene. Another man, a 38-year-old from Worcester, climbed out of the water and was subsequently arrested on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving and drug driving. He has been released under investigation. He and another man, who was travelling in the Astra, suffered minor injuries. Investigations are continuing to establish who was driving the BMW. Harry's girlfriend, Sophie, said, I'm so sorry, Harry. I wish I was there to help you. You were a brilliant dad to our two girls, Tallulah, sorry, Talula and Valencia. You adored them. I will never stop loving you, Harry. I will miss you so much. It's not goodbye. It's see you soon. Harry's brothers added, He was a role model and we can't believe it's happened. Our hearts are broken and our minds are blank. Wish we were there to help you. We will never have another chance to make new memories. We never got the chance to say goodbye. But until we see you on the other side, gone but never forgotten, we will love you always. Harry's uncles, Lenny, Kojak, Eddie and Gags, said, He was not just our nephew but our brother. The family have asked everyone to avoid speculation on social media and respect their privacy at this very difficult time. Anyone who witnessed the incident can call 101, quoting incident 113 of 26 August. Right. <clears throat> On Wednesday, August the 31st, the headline was Fish Shops Take a Battering. Fears over survival of cities' chip shops. Fish and chip shops, battered by price hikes, are struggling to survive, with one business owner calling the situation a disaster. Pedrag Juritz, known as Pedja, runs one of Worcester's longest-running fish and chip shops, the Crispy Cod, in Pinkett Street, Northwick. He's called on more to be done to help the industry, including slashing VAT back to pandemic levels. Meanwhile, a prominent city councillor also called for aid, predicting the end of the fish and chip supper unless city businesses are given more support. The rising price of potatoes after the heat wave damaged the crop, is only the latest of many blows to hit the industry. The closure and boarding up of Lowersmore Fish Bar in mysterious circumstances earlier this month has also caused concern in the city. At 60 years of age, Mr Durrett still works 60 hours a week at the Crispy Cod to keep the business going and is now calling on urgent government action as the price of everything from oil and potatoes to gas and electricity continues to rise. The business itself has been in the city since 1930. 
However, with spiralling costs in the country and the industry, Mr Duritz has been left worried about the future. Mr Duritz came to the UK from Yugoslavia in the 1990s, building up a successful business. He said, it's been very tough. It's not just the gas and electricity, it's the price of oil, fish, potatoes and the cost of paper and packaging. Despite the mounting pressure, he's yet to put up his prices for his loyal customers. It's still £9.90 for a large fish and chips and £7.50 for a smaller portion. We're just surviving now. I'm worried for the next year because of the taxes, he said. He said the first thing the government could do to help would be to bring VAT down to 5%, as it was during the pandemic. Mr Juritz also said an energy price cut for businesses as well as households would also help. Now, like many others, he's waiting for October to see what's going to happen. They can just increase it by whatever they want for businesses. Most big companies can kill the smaller ones. We feel we've been left behind. Most of the customers understand the situation and aren't complaining. They can see what's going on, he said. He added, it's a very worrying situation for the fish and chip shops. It's never been like this before. I'm 28 years in the fish and chip industry and I've never experienced anything like this. Mr Juritz believes he's a bit lucky compared to others as he doesn't pay rates and as it is a freehold, does not pay rent. For the rest of the shops, it will be a disaster. For many fish and chip shops, the rising prices will be a killer. Councillor Richard Udall represents St John's for the city and county council, an area with a number of popular fish and chip shops. He said, if we're not careful, the treat of an occasional fish and chip supper will become a thing of the past. It will simply become unaffordable and unprofitable for the traders. It's not just fish and chips, but all small food retailers and takeaways. The business climate has never been so bad, with the long-term outlook being very frightening for many. Clearly, we need government intervention to cap the cost of heating and fuel and to reduce the impact on the cost of living. A good first step would be to abolish VAT on hot takeaway food. It would cut cost of food and business administration. It would be a boost to the industry and could save many jobs. We simply cannot leave it to the free market. Too many businesses will collapse. And today's headline, Knife is Taken in Burglary. A woman has shared her horror after discovering her large kitchen knife missing from her home after burglars stole her car. The woman, who wished to remain anonymous, had her home burgled on Timberdine Avenue, Battenhall, overnight between Tuesday and Wednesday. A blue mini and other items were stolen from the family during the burglary. She said the scariest part of the ordeal was waking up and finding a 10-inch knife missing from her kitchen. She said, Obviously, it isn't very nice knowing a stranger has broken into our home and then picked up the biggest, sharpest knife to wander around the house with. There were four of us here, me, my husband and two of our kids, both aged 22. It's very worrying that they would arm themselves. Our son sleeps downstairs, so that's really disturbing. He was in a bedroom adjoining the room. Our neighbours have a five-year-old. What if it had been them? Our other neighbours are elderly. The family had only realised what had happened the following morning when a neighbour came and knocked on the door after finding the knife and other items in their garden. She said... We only realised it had happened when the neighbour knocked on the front door to tell us that my handbag was in their front garden. 
A hundred pounds were stolen from my purse, but they were obviously not keen gardeners as they left a garden centre voucher which was with the money. They clearly took the time to separate them. My neighbour at 53 reported someone in their back garden during the week and another person on Camp Hill Road told me that there'd be someone in her neighbour's garden last week too, but these were both during the day. When she found out the car had been stolen, she jokingly said, I felt that I wanted my car to spontaneously burst into a fireball with them inside. If anyone has any information in regard to the burglary and the theft of the Blue Mini, they can get in touch with West Mercia Police by calling 101 or visiting the website and using the Tell Us About form. Quoting incident number 166-I-3108-2022. And this one is about music and fun in the sun. The sun was out and the music was loud as Sunshine Festival returned to Worcestershire. Squeeze, The Wurzel and Level 42 are just some of the famous faces who took to the main stage on Saturday as over 8,000 people flocked to Upton for the family-friendly festival. The aforementioned bands are just some of the 100-plus acts performing over the weekend, with the festival kicking off on Thursday and carrying on right through to Sunday. The Human League and Dr Hook were among the big names performing on the final day of the festival. Crowds has a choice of several stages so that they can gravitate to their favourite acts and performers. The Sunflower Stage, Main Stage, Cocktail Stage, Variety Stage and Westerns Stage. From Guitar Legends to Night Fever, the music of the Bee Gees, to the Wurzels and Barioke from Sean Williamson, there was something to cater for every taste at the spectacle. Away from the music, festival goers could enjoy the sights of the circus and motorcycle display teams. There was also plenty for kids, including Disney shows, inflatable obstacle courses and a disco. Speaking on Saturday afternoon, Steve High, one of the event's organisers, couldn't be happier with how things were going. Everything has run brilliantly so far, he said. The team behind the festival have done a fantastic job and got some huge names which we're really proud of. It's just a great family event, with people of all ages having a good time. One of the many festival goers was Rachel Bush, returning for her tenth year at Sunshine. We've been coming to the Sunshine Festival for the last ten years. We love it, she said. Every year we bring more friends with us. The best thing we love about the festival is the fact that it's safe, friendly, carefree and good fun. Our children absolutely love it and look forward to it all year. Rob Taylor, performing for the first time at Sunshine, said the festival was amazing, wonderful crowds, and the sound tech and staff were fabulous, and it surrounded this article by pictures of the crowds and Rob Taylor, whoever he is, enjoying his set, um, tribute, sure, act, turn back time, got a warm welcome, the daring riders on the edge of the motorcycle stunt show, dancers letting their hair down and people relaxing in chairs. And here's a story about McDonald's. McDonald's is donating half a million free books to disadvantaged children across the UK this September. Worcester has three McDonald's in the city, Fourgate Street, Hilton Road and Blackpool Road. 
In light of the new school term, McDonald's is donating half a million free books to deprived areas across the UK. Statistics from National Literacy Trust claims that one in five children between five and eight across the UK does not have a book of their own at home. As the cost of living continues to rise, 87% of parents don't have a disposable income and just over half, 51%, have said that books are too expensive now. Despite this, almost 9 in 10 children said that they would be happy to get a book as a present, 87.9%, and 46% of parents rate reading as one of their kids' top three favourite activities. Michelle graham Clare, Chief Marketing Officer at McDonald's UK, said... Our mission is to ensure all children, no matter their background, can access the joy of reading. Over the last 10 years, we've given away over 140 million books to family customers in the communities we serve. This September, together with fantastic charity partners, we're doing our best to ensure as many children as possible start school with a book in the home to spark that lifelong love of reading. Vernon Kay has partnered with McDonald's to help raise awareness on the importance of children's literacy. He said, It's heartbreaking to think that so many children in the UK are without books when the academic and emotional benefits of reading are so clear. Reading is really important to me and it's been an integral part of my kids' development. When they were younger, we loved sitting down together with a good book every night before bed. My children are lucky to have had lots of books to inspire and engage them as they've grown up. But for many children across the UK, that's sadly not the case. I'm proud to be partnering with McDonald's, a trusted supporter of children's literacy since 2013. McDonald's has given away 130 million free books so far, helping to get more books into the hands of children that need them the most. The next item is entitled Tears as Luck Ends. Luck ran out for a persistent offender who's behind bars after magistrates heard she was involved in a street brawl. Gemma Payne was in tears as she was told she was being jailed for eight weeks after ignoring previous warnings from magistrates. She was at risk. The mum of three admitted using threatening abusive words and behaviour likely to cause harassment, alarm or distress. The 27-year-old of Britannia Road, Worcester, accepted by pleading guilty she had breached a suspended order and a conditional discharge. Samreen Asfar, prosecuting, said at around 6pm on April the 14th, a concerned member of the public called police to say two women were fighting in St Paul's Street. Magistrates viewed footage of the fight between Payne and Amy Wadley before police arrived. The prosecutor said police gave advice to both women to disperse, but it began again an hour later, spilling out into the road, forcing cars to stop. It was a sustained incident, a substantial disturbance, Miss Asfar said. The court heard Payne was given a 16-week suspended sentence for assault occasioning actual bodily harm in February 2021. The suspended sentence was extended after a battery manner, and she went on to breach it again with another public order offence for which she received the conditional discharge. Paul Stanley, defending, said the offence was not imprisonable on its own and highlighted that a witness had said Payne had not been the aggressor in the fight. 
Appealing for magistrates not to jail her, Mr Sunny said she had a drinking problem and she had done well with previous requirements ordered by the court. But providing an update on Payne's work with the probation service, the service's representative, Jane Stewart, said, I'm not sure Miss Payne is at the point where she wants to wholeheartedly address her alcohol and drug use. Kevin Lloyd Wright, chairman of the magistrates' bench, told Payne they were sending her to jail as the latest offence was the third breach of her suspended sentence. Mr Lloyd Wright said they were jailing her because they'd found it would not be unjust to do so and there was not a realistic prospect of rehabilitation because Payne was currently not dealing with her drug and alcohol issues. Amy Wadley also appeared at the court admitting a charge of using threatening abusive words and behaviour likely to cause harassment, alarm or distress. Wadley was fined £120 by magistrates and ordered to pay a victim surcharge of £34 and costs of £135. And the next story is House Crash Hits Court. A driver accused of of crashing a car into a Worcester home, injuring three people, one seriously, is set to appear at Crown Court. Todd Richardson, 30, is accused of driving a BMW X6 on Bromwich Road dangerously and while on drugs, injuring three people in a crash on Bromwich Road. Richardson of Sapphire Crescent, Worcester, is set to appear at Worcester Crown Court for a plea and trial preparation hearing. He is set to give pleas for the first time to the string of driving and drugs offences that he faces. He is accused of causing serious injury by dangerous driving. The 30-year-old also faces charges of possession of a controlled Class A drug, cocaine, driving with a proportion of a specified controlled drug above the blood limit, driving with a proportion of cocaine above the specified limit, driving with a proportion of ketamine above the the prescribed limit, and driving without insurance. Residents had to move elsewhere after the car crashed into the house in St John's. Several passengers in the car suffered injuries, with three attending hospital for serious injuries, one left in a critical condition. The house, owned by Worcestershire County Council, remains uninhabitable and boarded up because of structural damage. There was damage to both the property and the vehicles in the property driveway. However, no one in the house was hurt. A dramatic picture of the house after the crash showed bricks from the porch area had crumbled to the ground after the impact. Richardson appeared at Kidderminster Magistrates Court in August when he was given unconditional bail as the case was adjourned. This is about a hospital's new scanner. A brand new CT scanner and ultrasound room has opened to patients at Kidderminster Hospital and Treatment Centre. The new facilities will increase the capacity of the existing unit and provides much improved facilities for patients and staff. The new facilities form part of the Community Diagnostic Centre, CDC, work at Kidderminster Hospital and Treatment Centre. The Community Diagnostic Centre will provide increased access and capacity for the people of Worcestershire to imaging and endoscopy services, with the aim of reducing waiting times for patients in need of diagnostic scans and endoscopy procedures and aiding the quicker diagnosis and treatment. The new CDC is part of the government's £350 investment across the UK to provide scans more quickly and to help manage backlogs in imaging tests that have developed after Covid. Dr Indrajit Nagra, 
Clinical Leader for Radiology at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals, NHS Trust, said, We're extremely pleased to see the opening of new facilities in Worcestershire that will benefit local people and help us to continue providing excellent patient care. Paul Brennan, Chief Operating Officer at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals, NHS Trust, added, This is an important part of our work, to improve access for our patients to a range of important procedures which are an essential part of the early diagnosis and timely treatment of some potentially serious conditions, including many forms of cancer. A Worcester Care Home hosted a dog show for residents to enjoy spending time with some furry friends. The event at Latimer Court took place to mark the annual Dog Appreciation Day held on August the 26th. Donna Tustin, General Manager, said, Some of our lovely residents' families brought along their dogs on Saturday, August the 27th to join in the fun and show off their beautiful dogs. We judged the dogs, all for a bit of fun, Categories included the waggiest tail, biggest smile and Mr or Miss Latimer Court. Bossy the Shih Tzu won Mr Latimer Court, Cookie the Collie won biggest smile and Mabel the Cocker Spaniel won the waggiest tail. All four-legged visitors received delicious doggy treats and lots of fuss and attention from everyone. We look forward, she said, to next year's dog show and in 2023 our local community will be very welcome to come along with their friendly dogs. And the article is uh, accompanied by some beautiful photos of the dogs with, uh, that won the respective categories. I think my favourite is the Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> A plumbing and heating firm that works across the county has teamed up with a Worcester-based children's cancer charity to undertake free boiler services and repairs for families. Custom Heat has partnered with the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust to help make a difference to families who are living with the daily challenges of a child with cancer. If a family's boiler breaks down over the next 12 months, engineers will visit their home and carry out any repairs as well as using an initial £1,000 pot of funding available to cover any parts. Custom Heat will also be donating £2,500 to the charity. The Trust offers financial support to families who are referred directly from the teams at hospitals and Young Lives versus Cancer. So the £2,500 will fund 10 support grants for families at the new diagnosis stage, relapse stage, or sadly also when bereavement occurs. Custom Heat's 100-strong team will also be raising funds in a variety of ways, from facilitating collections and games at local fairs and business events, to sponsored activities and office bake sales. Lincoln Smith, Managing Director of Custom Heat, said, I knew that by partnering with the Trust that we could immediately help to take away some of the financial worries that families might be facing when they're prioritising looking after a sick child. The Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust is a small but growing not-for-profit that became a registered charity in 2016. For more information about the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust, visit gkcct.org. Or to donate, Custom Heat have created an online donation page at https colon forward slash forward slash 
gkcct.enthuse.com forward slash cf forward slash custom heat. Ex-constable foils robbery. Would-be robbers messed with the wrong shopkeeper, a former special police constable. When two masked men attempted to steal from Bath Wines, they probably did not expect an experienced officer to be behind the till, ready to chase them away with a bottle of vodka. Dylan Mendes owns the shop on Bath Road, having spent 12 years as a special constable for the Metropolitan Police. As such, the attempted robbery on Friday, August 26th didn't faze him. I wasn't too scared as I've dealt with these kinds of incidents whilst working for the Met, he said. Mr Mendes runs the shop with his wife Suzanne and children Nicholas, Rianne and Tiana. He shared a video of the attempted robbery on Facebook in an attempt to identify those responsible. In the video, a man wearing a blue mask and glasses can be seen asking the shopkeeper to hand over disposable vapes. Another masked man, wearing a dark jumper and trousers, can be seen waiting at the back of the shop. Recounting what happened, Mr Mendes said, I saw on CCTV that there were two men speaking outside the shop for a couple of minutes, then both came in. I asked him to remove the mask and he said he couldn't do that, and then he asked for all of the disposable vapes, so I tried to look round everywhere to buy time. I tried to call the police and he asked me to put the phone down, and I carried on, so he came around behind the back to the counter to stop me, so I asked him to wait, but he still came. I pushed my chair towards him so that he couldn't come too near. Then I grabbed a bottle of vodka and chased him out of the shop. Mr Mendes added that he used the panic button at the shop, but by the time he received a call from the security company, the men had run off. He has reported the incident, which happened at 5pm on Friday, to West Mercia Police. And here, the pubs can be a refuge. Uh, A landlord in Worcester believes pub could become a safe haven for people who are struggling with rising energy prices. John Dean, who co-owns Alma Tavern on Droitwich Road with his partner Will Bradley, said he's noticed a change in the way his customers spend money as the cost of living continues to increase. He believes people worried about expensive fuel bills could turn to pubs for light and warmth. Mr Dean, aged 51, said, In the winter months, people may turn to hospitality because it's lit and heated and it's cheaper than putting on their own heating and we're more than happy for people to come here and do that. In the winter months, pubs might take away the burden. We've seen the change in our customer base. People who would have had three to four meals with us a week are now cutting down to two. Customers are ordering fewer pints as they would have before. For a lot of people, going out for a meal and a drink in a pub would be seen as a luxury. It comes down to whether they eat or heat, because people don't have a bottomless pit of money. As a business, we try to absorb a lot of the extra cost. We want the people to have supported us to continue to support us. Alex Pope, who owns the Paul Pry, with his family on the butts in Worcester, said, The cost of living is worrying. We've had our first bill come through and it was sobering, which is not a good thing for a pub landlord. Mr Pope added, We want to continue to offer really good value for money and give people a reason to keep coming to us. As the British public, we need to have a drink to socialise. So there will always be a place for the pub. However, people who might have come to us two or three, three or four times a week are now coming once. 
pubs are a good form of therapy rather than sitting alone at home. You can come to the pub and take a break from your worries. A dog was left with fang bite marks and a blood-covered paw after being attacked by a snake in a city park. Ryan Williams' dog, Ronnie, was bitten by a snake, thought to be an adder, while out with his walker at Perdiswell Park. The dog walker, who does not wish to be named, didn't see the incident happen. But after a few days, Ronnie's leg started to collapse under him, prompting his owners to take him to the vets, who discovered the bite marks hidden beneath his fur. I want to raise awareness because I was by Ron's side the whole walk and I didn't see this happen, said the dog walker. I do paw checks at the end of walks and there was no sign of the bites. They, Ronnie's owners, texted later that evening to say he'd been limping and that they were going to keep him off his walk the following day. There was still no evidence of the bites, but they said his paw seemed tender. None of us could figure out what had happened. It is believed that Ronnie was bitten on Wednesday, August the 17th, with the British Bulldog left short of breath by the end of his walk. With Ronnie's condition improving, he went out for another walk on Saturday, August the 20th, and seemed okay. However, when he returned home, his leg began collapsing under him, leaving his owners with no choice but to take him to the vets. The dog walker added, It was only when the vet shaved his paw they found the bites and were able to diagnose it as snake bites. Apparently, adders are more common at the moment and more active because of the very hot weather we've been having. It is the only UK snake I'm aware of that is poisonous and that could cause the type of symptoms Ronnie incurred. It isn't as easy to spot a snake bite as you may think. Ronnie is now on medication, but vets have warned his foot will swell up further before it gets better. This is part of an ongoing story about the Worcester Warriors. Um, so this was uh, published on Wednesday, August 31st. Players and staff of Worcester Warriors are set to miss out on their August pay packets. A leaked email from the club's owners told staff the owners were unable to pay their staff because HMRC has frozen the accounts. The letter, believed to be sent out by co-owner Colin Goldring, said, We're conscious of the short window now available for us to solve the end-of-month payroll situation. No doubt you are all anxiously awaiting an update on payroll and we wanted to keep you as informed as we possibly can. As you will all no doubt know, the club's bank accounts were frozen shortly after the HMRC petition was issued, meaning we're not able to access those funds to help meet payroll. Therefore, we do not have the money at this moment to fulfil payroll tomorrow. The email continued, Jason and I value everything you've done and continue to do for the club. We have never given up on doing everything in our power to pay salaries tomorrow, the last day of the month. We've made some progress on this and had hoped by today we would be able to confirm the funding is secured, but there are no guarantees until contracts are signed, and until that happens, I'm sorry to say, the outcome tomorrow remains uncertain. It will be small comfort in the face of the present situation, but I can promise we will not give up and will continue pushing the finance raise tomorrow and today and tomorrow. We are giving this everything we've got. Fans are pushing for the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport to step in to help save the club. Warriors was issued with a winding-up petition by HMRC last week, which has led to widespread worry about the future of the club. 
According to gov.uk, you can apply to the court to close or wind up a company if it cannot pay its debts. This is also known as compulsory liquidation. The club's accounts are currently frozen due to the winding up petition, with the threat of players and staff having to leave the club becoming extremely real if a solution is not found. The players returned to training last week, not knowing what is going to happen. Staff also remain out of the loop, as confusion and doubt continues to loom over the club. Worcester MP Robin Walker confirmed meetings took place on Monday between the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport and interested parties keen to take over the financially stricken club. Fuel spill closes road. A van caught fire and left a trail of fuel spilled over the road, closing a busy road into the city centre. There were long delays after a small van caught fire on London Road near the Esso Garage and Tesco Express. Officers from West Mercia Police closed the road to traffic in both directions while the fire crew dealt with the fuel spillage. They used powerful hoses to remove the excess diesel from the road and also dealt with the van fire. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service had to block off all the drains on the road to prevent diesel from entering the sewers. A spokesman for the Fire and Rescue Service said, We were first alerted to the situation at 8.39 this morning, which is Friday. One Worcester crew attended the incident. As a result of the closure, traffic built up from both directions of London Road, with cars and buses seen seen trying to perform three-point turns in an attempt to avoid waiting in the build-up. Bus services were also delayed as a result of the closure, with diversions put in place. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service confirmed that the road was reopened by 11.22. We've asked West Mercia Police for more information, but they did not respond before the Worcester News went to press. And this is a pub backed by locals, a pub which could be forced to give up its late-night licence after a row with neighbours over noise and loutish behaviour has been defended by readers. The Portobello Inn in Bransford Road is in danger of losing its licence after a group of fed-up residents complained to Worcester City Council demanding an investigation. Residents say they've had to endure months of constant shouting, screaming and swearing from from patrons as well as fighting, vomiting, littering and urinating in the street. However, other neighbours have defended the pub saying the allegations are exaggerated and bogus. Many commentators did not have much sympathy for the neighbours who complained, stating if we were not happy with the noise, then they should live elsewhere. Gillian Backhouse said, shouldn't move near a pub if you don't like noise. It's negative people like that who have pubs, pubs shut down, never to be seen again. Steve Frost stated how the pub was there before the residents and compared it to living near a school and being surprised by kids. He said, who was there first, the pub or the residents? Personally, I wouldn't choose to live next to a pub for the reasons you'd expect. The pub can't control patrons once they leave. It's like living next to a school and being surprised by kids at 8.30 and 3, Monday to Friday. Helen Smith took time to praise the pub, stating the complaints from aggrieved neighbours as pathetic. She said it's a great pub, been there many times and had great meals. Good luck to them. Always one who complains, don't live next to a pub if you don't want to hear noise, pathetic. 
Dave Williams said how important it was to support local businesses after the effects of the pandemic. He said people should support local businesses. As we know, pubs have taken a big hit over the last two years. With people complaining, it's another nail in the coffin for businesses that are trying to survive. One reader even blamed the complaints on a woke community. Alan Smith said it's just a sign of the woke community trying to ban everything that upsets them. Two new homes will be built next to an historic city building after plans were backed by councillors. Worcester City Council's planning committee approved a plan to demolish a modern extension to the 170-year-old Lindisfarne House in the protected Barbourne Terrace to make way for two new four-bed homes, but not without first criticising the proposed Georgian-style design. The committee was split over city architect Nick Carroll's design for the new homes, which will replace an extension built in the 1970s, saying its modern expression of Georgian architecture was ugly and fell short of what was expected. However, other councillors said the building was far from ugly and called for the work to be supported. The biggest critic of the plan was councillor Alan Amos, who said the council needed to do more to protect its heritage. Personally, I think it is ugly and I think we could have done a lot better. I really do, he told the committee at a meeting in the Guildhall on August the 25th. We need to look after our historical assets much better. Architect Nick Carroll said the beautiful heritage of the past at Lindisfarne House could not be restored. Lindisfarne House was built around 1850 by Henry Day, son of architect Charles Day, who designed the Shire Hall in Forgate Street. It became the county headquarters for the National Farmers' Union in the early 60s, with the extension built in the early 70s for a club lounge. The building has been a base for City Church Worcester since 1994, which now plans to move to a bigger facility. And here's a bit of good news for Saturday if you are a film buff. Cinemas in Worcester will be charging just £3 for tickets this weekend as part of a national event. The Odeon on Forgate Street and View on Friar Street will be lowering ticket prices all of Saturday for National Cinema Day. Both cinemas will be showing the re-release of Spider-Man No Way Home, Steven Spielberg's E.T., The Extraterrestrial, and Minions, The Rise of Gru. At Odeon, Idris Elba's big cat thriller Beast and Top Gun, Maverick, will also be on show. At View, films like Jordan Peele's Nope, Elvis and more will also be available. The team at Odeon will also be hosting a charity stand to raise money for the mental health charity Mind. The stand will feature books, posters and more for sale, as well as a raffle to win some free cinema tickets. For more information, visit the View and Odeon websites. And that's this Saturday, the 3rd of September. Good stuff. Right, sculptor's name carved with pride is the next story. A famous son of Worcester known for his sculptures around the world has received more recognition in his home city. A new plaque has been unveiled on the railings outside the Shire Hall, the home of the city's crown court, remembering Sir Thomas Brock. The plaque will read, Sir Thomas Brock, sculptor of Queen Victoria statue, born and apprenticed in Worcester, freeman of the city. 
The unveiling of the Worcester City Civic Society's blue plaque took place during a prestigious event attended by distinguished guests. Among the speakers was Judge James Burbridge QC, Worcester's most senior judge, who told those gathered of his memory of first seeing the majesty of the statue. He said, As I sit as a judge here and walk beside it, it's a reminder for all sorts of reasons of the service and importance that this building represents to this community, the judge said. He added the plaque was a fitting tribute to Sabrock. The plaque was unveiled by Ian Thompson, Sabrock's great-great-nephew, and Caroline Jarrett, daughter of biographer John Sankey, who wrote Thomas Brock, forgotten sculptor of the Victoria Memorial. Sir Thomas Brock was born in Worcester in 1847, the son of a city decorator and contractor. He started out as an apprentice artist modeller at the Worcester Royal Porcelain Works, but later entered Royal Academy Schools. He became one of the nation's leading sculptors and was made a freeman of Worcester in 1913, two years after being knighted. The Queen Victoria statue was unveiled to Worcester residents in 1887. Among his notable creations are the Victoria Memorial in front of Buckingham Palace, the Queen Victoria statue in Victoria Square, Birmingham. Sir Brock's work can also be found in Queen's Park, Toronto, Sydney, Kolkata, Belfast and outside the Houses of Parliament in Cape Town. And here in Worcester, new pictures show the havoc caused by a new pizza shop opening, which saw a record number of pizzas sold. Fireaway Pizza opened its doors to the public on Bank Holiday Monday, August the 29th this week, and saw hundreds of attendees descend on Angel Street. The business gave away free pizzas to 100 customers, a £500 giveaway competition, as well as free food for the homeless and the vulnerable. It revealed that during the day it made 300 pizzas and ended up running out of dough due to the high demand. Aerial pictures taken from the opening show hundreds of people on the city centre road and a woman holding a smoke grenade which billowed throughout the street. On the other side of the road from Faraway Pizza, black and orange balloons were installed alongside a punch bag machine and signs for the restaurant. But the event started to deteriorate when a DJ with a loudspeaker playing pop music, fire breathers and luxury cars turned up outside the venue. Initially, a procession of fire breathers and luxury cars was planned to mark the opening of the pizza shop. However, that idea was abandoned after police officers advised the organisers against it. The new Worcester store is the latest step in Fireaway's continued expansion, which recently saw them pass 200 stores. Founder Mario Aleppo set out to create an unrivalled pizza experience by going to Italy and meeting farmers for the choicest peeled tomatoes directly from Naples. Mario said, We like to innovate and have also introduced the full range of gluten-free and vegan options to ensure there's something for everyone. He then negotiated with mills in northern Italy who prepare the flour to his own specifications. The restaurant is open from midday to 11pm, seven days a week and is available through Deliveroo, Just Eat and Uber Eats. A nurse who cares for patients at a city-based hospice has been awarded with a prestigious prize. 
Lydia Dyson, a staff nurse on the inpatient unit, the IPU at St. Richard's Hospice, was presented with a Cavell Star Award for going the extra mile for her colleagues. Cavell Star Awards are given to nurses, midwives, nursing, nursing associates and healthcare assistants who show exceptional care to patients, patients' families and colleagues. Jamie Yeomans, IPU manager, said... Although, although the whole team deserves recognition for the dedication and commitment to St. Richard's, Lydia has really gone the extra mile recently to support her colleagues. She has played her part to ensure our patients continue to receive the outstanding care we're renowned for, even through challenging times. Miss Dyson has been with the St. Richard's IPU team for nearly three years, following her time as a student nurse at the hospice. It was the loveliest surprise to be recognised as a a Cavell star winner, said Miss Dyson. I was extremely flattered to be recognised for supporting my colleagues, but I cannot take all the credit. Every single member of the IPU is a star. Everyone goes above and beyond to support each other every day. We look after each other like a family. I'm constantly in awe of the kindness, compassion and dedication shown by my colleagues. I feel very lucky to be surrounded by such special people. The team on the hospice's IPU provides 24-hour care tailored to each person's needs. Patients and families are cared for by a team of health professionals led by the medical director and IPU manager. Right. The first internal image of the new arts centre being proposed for Worcester has been revealed. The image provided by Worcester City Council shows a cross-section of what the 500-seat new auditorium could look like in the new city centre-based performance arts venue. The arts centre is at the northern end of the city centre, which is being delivered by Worcester City Council with the support of £17.9 million from the government's Future High Streets Fund. It is proposed to be created within the existing Corn Exchange in Angel Street and the Scala Building in Angel Place, returning the latter to its original purpose as one of the city's main entertainment destinations. The new image has been published as councillors prepare to address the next stage in the ambitious plan to create a thriving new performance arts destination in Worcester. Members of the Policy and Resources Committee will be asked to give the go-ahead for a planning application to be developed for the scheme on September 6th. They will also be asked to give approval for the appointment of a construction contractor for the new arts centre, among other decisions. A report to the committee reveals that the new performing arts venue would include a 500-seat main theatre and auditorium, a 110-seat studio theatre space, eating and drinking areas and fully accessible entrances and facilities suitable for wheelchair users. Councillor James Stanley, Vice-Chair of Worcester City Council's Policy and Resources Committee, said, This is an important and ambitious project for Worcester which aims to put performance and the arts back in the heart of the city centre, providing entertainment for our communities and bringing a significant boost to our city's growing status as a tourist destination. I hope the committee will back these essential next steps in bringing this inspiring vision into reality. Worcester Theatres, which currently runs the Swan Theatre and Huntingdon Hall, is being expected to take on the running of the new arts centre. 
Following recent stakeholder consultation events, the Council will be having further meetings with community arts organisations to discuss the future of the Swan Theatre. That sounds exciting. Nicholas Evans, the former head boy of a Worcestershire school whose novel The Horse Whisperer was turned into a blockbuster film starring Robert Redford, has died of a heart attack at the age of 72. The book had already been a massive bestseller, but having Hollywood royalty bring it to the big screen added a further dimension to the Nick Evans story. This began in July 1950 when he was born in Bromsgrove and later became head boy at Bromsgrove School. Nick was the son of a company sales director and veered between astonishing triumph and life-threatening disaster until it ended at his home, a 14th-century manor house in Totnes, Devon. A friend from his childhood and school days, Matthew Horton of Pensham, near Pershaw, said Nick was an outstanding sportsman at school, gaining caps in cricket, rugby and hockey. He then went on to Oxford, achieving a first in law. He could have achieved anything he wanted to. However, he gave up the law, much to his father's disappointment. He was a lovely man, modest with it, and I have great memories of our childhood together. Rest in peace, Nick, old chum. Nick also wrote and adapted screenplays for television broadcast. As number two to Melvin Bragg on the South Bank show, he produced many of the flagship programmes of the television arts series. He then began writing a novel based on a story he'd been told by a Devon blacksmith who used the term horse whisperer to describe someone with a gift for communicating with horses. The film rights went to Robert Redford for $3 million because Evans saw Redford in the role of his hero. The horse whisperer shot to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. A senior detective warned that his team will continue to put armed city drug dealers behind bars and out of business after two men were jailed. We reported this week how Worcester drug dealers Zane Abdullah and Edward Schofield were jailed for being concerned in the supply of Class A drugs, heroin and crack cocaine. However, for officers at Worcester Police Station tasks with severing the lines of supply, the police are locked in a never-ending battle to keep drugs off the streets and confiscate the weapons, which are a potential threat to life and limb. The proactive CID team covers a large patch, including Worcester, Malvern, Pershaw and Evesham, working to choke off the supply of Class A drugs from larger cities like Birmingham, so-called county lines operations. At the Worcester Crown Court on Thursday, Zain Abdullah, aged 25, of Derby Road, Risley, was convicted of being concerned in the supply of Class A crack cocaine and heroin and assaulting a police officer. He was arrested at an address in Worcester on May the 4th and sentenced to three years and 11 months in prison. Also convicted was Edward Schofield, aged 40, of All Saints Road, Worcester. Edwards was sentenced to two years' imprisonment for being concerned in the supply of Class A, crack cocaine and heroin. DI David Knight, South Worcestershire Offender Management and Proactive CID, said in relation to the county lines sentencing, I always welcome prison sentences for drug dealers. This is not a victimless crime. We all know the harm that drugs do to a user and the family of that user. We all know the harm that drug-related knife crime brings to victims and communities. We all know the harm done to businesses due to acquisitive crime being committed to fund drug debts. 
We also know the harm caused to children being used by dealers to peddle drugs. It's a nasty business and dealers often find their financial gains short-lived as they're targeted by the police. It's not worth it. South Worcestershire Proactive CID will continue to put dealers out of business, bringing them to justice and protecting the community from harm. Much of our, informa- much of our work is linked to information provided by the community. Police and the community working together will always be a strong combination in the ongoing battle to remove drug dealers from the street. A Worcester podiatrist volunteered three weeks of her time to help athletes perform injury-free and at their best at this year's Commonwealth Games. Stephanie Owen, owner and founder of SO Podiatry on Fourgate Street, gave up her summer holidays to be at the NEC Athletes' Village. The mum of two said it was always a life ambition to help out at the Commonwealth Games and that she felt giving her expertise and time to the athletes from around the world was really important. It was amazing to see all those athletes and their officials from 72 represented states all around the world arrive in Birmingham, Stephanie said. She also recalled the excitement and the euphoria of the Games from the moment the uniform arrived to the training events and right through to the very first day. Everyone was just so excited and happy, as well as nervous, to see what each day would be like, Stephanie added. One of the aspects Steph particularly liked was being able to mentor the younger, less experienced professionals. Stephanie was also motivated by the fact that the Games were going to be the first inclusive Games with para-athletes and able-athletes all performing at the same time. For a lot of the athletes seen at the Games, Stephanie said many of them did not have access to health services back home and the foot pain they were experiencing had been there for a few years. Podiatry is a wonderful profession to enter into, she continued, as it allows you to specialise within healthcare and in an area of the body that not many people know about. Stephanie has previously worked in sports and exercise medicine t- sports and exercise medicine teams within the NHS, taught undergraduate and postgraduate levels, and now runs a rapidly expanding podiatry and healthcare business in Worcester City Centre. Worcester has been named the second most aesthetic city in the UK. The city, which has the beautiful cathedral, winding River Severn and historic streets, was only beaten by Oxford. Worcester was awarded an aesthetic city score of 7.98 out of 10, only a fraction lower than the first place city of Oxford, which was rated 8.39 out of 10. Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, said, It's great to see Worcester becoming so popular with visitors. We're proud of our beautiful city and everything it has to offer tourists. Worcester was named as one of the top ten best UK cities for a staycation in a recent witch survey, and this latest accolade of being the country's second most aesthetic city just proves what we've known all along. It's a fantastic destination with a lot to offer. Worcester has it all. Beautiful buildings, award-winning parks, a great shopping experience, a thriving nightlife, and an excellent programme of events and entertainment. The survey by Atlas Ceramics assessed the number of boutique hotels, listed buildings and monuments 
interior designers and architects in each destination to reach their results. A spokesperson for Atlas Ceramics said, taking second place is Worcester, with a score of 7.98 out of 10. This West Midlands city is famous for its cathedral and ranks in the top 10 for three factors and the top 20 for architects per 100,000 people too. Some of the cities that Worcester was voted over was were Exeter, which came in third place, as well as Durham, which was named as one of the three least aesthetic UK cities. When Worcester was named in the top ten cities for a staycation, residents spoke out about their appreciation for the city. Wendy Wallace said, I love, love, love living in Worcester. I feel very fortunate to live here and I feel it's developing all the time. There is a beautiful sense of community and me and my kids are never short of things to do and see. Paul Harding said, We are so very lucky to have so much on the doorstep, from a beautiful riverside to lots of attractions such as Tudor House and Worcester Cathedral. We also have some fantastic parks too. Many are also free. Indeed they are. Right, now if you've ever fancied running a sweet shop, listen very carefully. A beloved retro sweet shop on Worcester's High Street has been listed for sale. Mr Sims' old sweet shop, that's spelt oldie sweet shoppy, owners Michelle and Mark Rasdell are looking to retire and spend more time with family. The business has been providing tasty treats for the last four years, becoming a popular stop for shoppers on their visit to the city centre. Mr. Ras- Sorry, Mrs. Rasdell said it was always our intention to stay here for five years with a view to selling the business as a going concern so that our many lovely and loyal customers could continue to get a welcoming customer experience and have endless football discussions with Mark. We are ideally placed on the high street just off Cathedral Square and the city's restaurant hub near the cathedral and near the Guild Hall. The couple are looking for a buyer from January with the shop closing its doors in April if a buyer cannot be found. According to Michelle and Mark, the business has had its busiest year ever and it is hoped that the new owners will be able to build the business even further. Mr Sims Worcester is a completely independent business but trades in Worcester using the Mr Sims brand for which a small monthly fee is paid. Any potential buyers would need to negotiate a new contract with the Mr Sims brand owners if they wish to continue using it. Alternatively, the shop could easily be rebranded to the Sweet Lorry, the brand set up by the current owners to appeal to younger customers within the retro shop. After celebrating their first year in the city, the couple told the Worcester News they researched a number of potential locations in the Cotswolds as a home for their new business, but fell in love with Worcester after stopping for a spur-of-the-moment meal there. Mark Rasdall, who was a writer and historian, said, The city was also affordable. We were able to get a prime high street location for the shop. The city is a welcoming place for independence. Michelle, who previously ran a ballet school in Cambridge, said Worcester just had this feeling that it was on the up. We were immediately struck by how friendly the people were. It just had a really nice feel to it. Initial queries for becoming the new owners of the shop can be sent to mrsimsworcester at gmail.com. And heavy rain forced one veterinary surgery to barricade its entrance to stop water from seeping inside the building. The morning's downpour caused standing water and flash flooding across the city as heavy rain caused standing water and large puddles. 
The car park and entrance to Brent Knoll Veterinary Centre on Whittington Road in Worcester flooded. Brent Knoll Veterinary Centre was forced to ask visitors to ring ahead of their visit to avoid the flood in the car park. Staff said that though there had been issues before, this was the worst they'd seen it. They also had to ask to escort clients and their pets to the back of the building to ensure they didn't get wet on the flood. Although the flood cleared up in about two hours, staffs swapped their work attire for rain-friendly footwear and scrubs. Team members had also put up a wooden barricade on the patio outside the practice in the hope that the water would stop pouring into the building. Despite the barricade, water was still making its way through the entrance of the building. And the spokesperson from Brent Knoll said, This flood is one of the worst we've ever had. It flooded for about two hours and the water was coming inside. It's cleared up now, but we tried to barricade the entrance, but it still kept coming through. It doesn't help that our car park is on the ramp too. A message on Facebook was sent by the practice warning its clients that the car park and entrance was flooded. It said, If you're coming to see us today... Please be aware the car park and entrance to the front of the practice is flooded. Please call us when you arrive and we will direct you to the back of the building. Right, well, that concludes the general news stories for the week. So uh, we've just got a few sports items for you. I'm afraid they're a bit uh, rugby and football heavy. But I'll begin with a story about Worcester Warriors, which is obviously forefront of the news at the moment. Worcester Warriors' upcoming match with Glasgow Warriors has been cancelled over unpaid wages. The club's director of rugby, Steve Diamond, has confirmed the team will no longer be travelling to Inverness for the pre-season friendly. Diamond says this comes as a result of players and staff having not been paid. He tweeted, We have been forced to take the hugely frustrating and disappointing decision not to travel to Inverness tomorrow for our pre-season fixture against Glasgow Warriors on Friday as players and staff wage remain unpaid. The squad have worked hard throughout pre-season and are bitterly disappointed to be put in this position. We express our deep sorrow to our hosts, Glasgow Warriors, who we hope understand the unique and worrying situation we find ourselves in. Last Friday, Diamond took to social media to announce that the game would be going ahead thanks to financial support. Adam Hewitt, one of the club's long-term partners and main shirt sponsor, decided to cover the logistical costs of the side's trip north of the border. The news was welcomed by players, clubs and coaches both in and out of Worcester. Warriors stars Joe Batley, Matt Beswick and Murray McCallum were among those who took to Twitter to thank the sponsor for making the pre-season trip possible, as did former England fullback Mike Brown and Glasgow Warriors. In his latest post, Diamond went on to thank Hewitt for his support. We would like to thank Adam Hewitt for his overwhelming generosity in offering to fund the trip, he wrote. It simply isn't feasible to play when future remains uncertain and a decision had to be taken today. It is unethical for professional players to play a full-on game with the risk of injury and the real possibility of no employment to follow. The tweet finished. We thank everyone for their continued support and for uniting behind us all. Okay, so this is um, from the same day. That's Wednesday, the 31st of August. It's another Warriors story. Suggested plan for merger with Wasps rejected. 
A merger between Worcester Warriors and another struggling club was reportedly proposed at a recent meeting. It's believed plans for a merger of Worcester Warriors and Wasps were pr- proposed last week by the owners at Six Ways, Jason Whittingham and Colin Goldring. The idea was reportedly and instantly rejected by the Coventry Club. The news comes after Worcester Warriors were issued with a winding-up petition recently from HMRC. Um, according to Government UK, you can apply to the court to close or wind up a company if it cannot pay its debts. This is also known as compulsory liquidation. To wind up a company, you must be owed £750 or more, be able to prove that the company cannot pay you, and you need to fill in forms and send them to the right court to apply to wind up a company. If you are successful, the company assets are sold, any legal disputes are settled, the company collects money it's owed, and funds are paid to you and any other creditors. Amid lots of speculation about the future of the club, a leaked statement was released last week from Jason Whittingham and Colin Goldring addressing the rumours. As per reports, the owners confirmed in the statement that a winding-up petition has been issued by HMRC. The owners also confirmed that the amount for the VAT payment was £320,000. In the statement, the owners also denied allegations of asset stripping and apologised for the lack of communication with fans. In 2003, the former owner of Worcester Warriors, Cecil Duckworth, was poised to make a bid to take over Wasps, which was rumoured to cost around £5 million. At the time, Wasps shared a ground with Queen's Park Rangers Football Club and the company which owned both clubs went into administration with debts of £11 million. Now we're going to switch our attention to football, to soccer version of football, that is. Worcester Raiders sent Malvern crashing out of the FA Cup with a 4-0 thumping in the replay at Six Ways. As rugby fans gathered outside the stadium to show their support for struggling Warriors, a first-half hat-trick from Jordan Murphy made sure that at least football enthusiasts could leave with a smile. The emphatic win sees Raiders sail through to the next round of the historic cup competition, where they will face Worksop Town. Wednesday night was also the birthday of Raiders boss Carl Gormley. I haven't wanted to celebrate all day with a game coming up, so I've been at work keeping busy, but that was an outstanding night, he said. I thought the support was amazing. We've had a tough couple of weeks with uncertainty going on, so it was nice to go out and just play football. With the result practically set in stone after the opening 45 minutes, the second half became somewhat of a formality, with neither side adding to the score sheet. After seeing his side's fans leaving with 15 minutes still to go, Malvern manager Stephen Cleal was far from happy. He said, It hurts. It hurts me. I hope it hurts the players. I thought Saturday, a 3-3 draw with Raiders, was bad enough, but today it was even worse. No disrespect to Worcester Raiders, they are a very attacking force and they caused us a lot of problems, but we caused our own downfall tonight. It's just not good enough. This is another football story. Um, Bosses pleased with a draw at Atherston. Manager Tim Harris was pleased with his side's performance as Worcester City were held to a draw away at Atherston Town. Neither side were able to break the deadlock inside the 90 minutes, the score remaining nil-nil come the final whistle in Warwickshire. 
The point means Harris's men move off the foot of the Midlands Football League Premier Division campaign table after a disappointing start. Speaking after Saturday's match, the city manager said without a shadow of doubt it was a much better performance. I thought that lads looked solid. We've competed all over the park. I said to them, if we're not going to win, then we've got to get something out of it. And I've got to give everyone credit because I thought they put in a right shift in today. And he added, to be fair, we had a couple of really good chances and the keepers pulled off good saves. So all in all, I thought it was a fair result, if I'm honest, because Atherston are going to be a really strong side and it's always been a difficult place to come and get results, but we've competed well. The game also marked the first appearances of the city signings Mark Hunt and Liam Spink. An experienced central defender, Hunt arrived from AFC Wolfronians, or is that Wolfronians, on the morning of the match. Meanwhile, Spink joined on dual registration terms from Boldmere St Michael's earlier in the week. Harris was pleased with the pair's debuts. After last week's dismal performance and the performance at home, I felt we lacked a little bit of character, and I thought, a little bit of experience too, he said. Spinky is experienced at this level and higher, and Matt Hunt is just a warrior. He's just like a Craig Jones, which you can't have enough of when you've got a lot of young kids. We really just need to find that goal from somewhere, and then we can get going. The point's better than nothing on the road as well, so we've got to take the positives from it. It's a quick turnaround for City, who travel to Warsaw Wood on mon- Monday, August the 29th, for a 3pm kickoff. I wonder how they did there. So that concludes the sports stories for the week. And we've got two or three items left, the first of which is the birthday file. And I'd like to wish John Hodgkiss a very happy birthday on the 8th of September. So I hope you have a great day, John. And sunset and sunrise times for today. So Thursday, the 1st of September, the sun rose at 6.20 a.m. and set at 7.57 p.m. And last but not least, we will finish our recording this week with the thought for the week, which Phil is going to read for us. From Mark chapter 7, and it's verses 8, 9 and 13. Jesus said to the Pharisees and some teachers of the law, You have let go of the commands of God and hold on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. Thanks, Phil. So that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to thank today's readers. Catherine? Goodbye. Phil. Bye. And Jane. Goodbye. And John from our engineering team for all their efforts and to wish you a good week ahead. It's goodbye from me, Pippa Curtis. Davies, Gerda Anne. Anne sadly passed away at the Lawns Nursing Home on the 29th of July 2022, aged 82 years. The funeral took place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 2nd of September 2022 at 11.30am. Charitable donations can be made to Age UK. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. 
01905 228922 Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, can be made to Animal Rescue. All inquiries to be sent to AV Band Funeral Directors, 01905 22892. Horworth, Teresa, passed away in hospital on 18th of August 2022, aged 70 years. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium on Monday, 5th of September at 11am. Family flowers only, please. Donations if desired for the British Heart Foundation. Any inquiries to Bedwardine Funeral Services, 01905 748811. And James Evan. Evan James passed away on the 22nd of August at Rushwick. And that's all it says.